Alright guys, welcome back to the study of Leviticus. Here we are plowing through the writings of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, and congratulations, you've made it to Leviticus 11 and 12. Alright, so now those that are watching through video, maybe not on the airwaves, uh, just so you know, we have an extra group with us today. So I just want to make sure everybody understands we have peanut gallery one and peanut gallery number two. So we have the, the classics, the regulars, Rich and Kevin and Jeff and TJ. Gentlemen, always a pleasure. And then, then I have my wife who you guys know she's been writing the Daily Word every single day. So, Laura, you, you should have all the answers down, no problem. And then, remember, we have to use the microphone if we do talk. And then, also, I have my parents here. Larry and Gloria have driven down from Indiana. And then my mother-in-law, Sue, driven down, flew down from Minneapolis. And so, the four of them and the four of you and me, we're going to talk about, you ready for this one? Clean and unclean animals. Way to pick a good one, guys. So, all right, here's your backdrop in Leviticus. In Leviticus 8, we know that Aaron and his sons were ordained. Praise the Lord. They have received their calling. In Leviticus 9, it's the first day on the job. We've got the four offerings, and Aaron is he's doing an incredible job. He blesses the people. Moses and his brother Aaron, remember, they experienced at the tent of the meeting. Then they bless everybody. And just when everything is going well, then Nadab and Abihu... Those goofballs in Leviticus 10 decided to do things on their own. They're the original first PKs. They're the priest kids who decided to do something completely different. They brought their own fire. They brought their own pans. They brought everything they could, and God brought the fire on them. And then those two died. And so then it was a, a weird season for Israel. They were mourning the loss of their first two priests with Aaron. Aaron is struggling himself. Remember this? He didn't eat. He didn't partake because he was fasting. But he still had a job to do. And so what, what was his job? What was the role of Aaron and what was the role of the other priests? And don't worry, I won't call on you guys yet on this. But we might go back to their memory on this one. Kevin, if you would, go to Leviticus 10, verse 8. I want to walk through the role that um, Aaron and the sons are supposed to be doing. So the Lord spoke to Aaron. You and your sons are not to drink wine or beer when you enter the tent of meeting. The reality is we know Nadab and Abihu. We know that they probably came to the table drunk. Because it says right after this or else you will die. And so probably two sons came to the table drunk with all of their own equipment. And God said, enough's enough. If you're going to represent me in the tabernacle, I'm not going to allow it. So he talks about don't drink wine or beer. And then number two, one of the roles is if you'll keep going here, Kevin, in verse 10, you must distinguish between holy and the common. And then the scripture continues, not just that, you're supposed to distinguish between the clean and the unclean. So here you are, don't drink beer, don't drink wine. I also want you to distinguish and discern between holy and common and discern and distinguish between clean and unclean. I mean, he's super, super practical. Like this is his job description. This would be like, hey, Kevin, here's your job description. I need you to make sure you type the scripture verses really fast. Don't come drunk to the table. Like that wouldn't work. Right, Rich? Amen? Amen. Amen. And so, like, when you have a job, I need you to understand this is your calling. This is your role. And you guys do it incredibly well. So here's what I want you to do. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron. I'm in Leviticus 11, verse 1. He spoke to them. He said, all right, guys, I want you to tell the Israelites. I'm in verse 2. You may eat all these kinds of land animals. (laughs) He's literally going to be given a list, a list of animals. And so I'm going to write, I'm going to go to the board here, Rich. Uh, he, first of all, he's told about land animals. Okay, so what you're going to see here, and it's really verses 2 through 8, 
is that you're going to see a long list of land animals. Okay, so he says you can eat these, but you may eat any animal with divided hooves and that chews the cud, the cud, the cud, cud. All right, Rich, I just I feel like I'm going to go to my little my farm friends over here. Uh, Rich, what would be like what's a divided hoof? What describe that for us? Well, it is what it is. It's a, an animal with a split hoof. A cow would be one that fits this category. It chews the cud and it has a split hook. Chews cud. Uh, Rich, what, what, is that, what does that mean? Chews the cud. Well, basically a cow, what a cow does is it will chew the grass, swallow it, then burp it back up, <laughs> chew it again, and that helps its digestive process. All right, so the, the, the picture that the priest has to tell all of the Israelites, hey guys, you can eat anything with divided hooves and chews the cud. Yeah! Like... That's a great motivational speech. Okay, so that's a kind of an interesting thing. Now, but watch though, but in verse 4, but among the ones that chew the cud or have hooves, I'm going to tell you there's certain ones that you can't eat from. I don't want you to eat the camel. I don't, even though it chews the cud, Scripture says, it does not have hooves. It's unclean for you. So the camel is one of the analogies. Then it goes to number 5, verse 5, the hyrax. Though it chews the cud, it does not have hooves, so it's not both. It is unclean for you. And then in verse 6, it continues on. The hare, though it chews the cud, does not have hooves. It is unclean for you. We're not talking about a rabbit here, strangely enough. Okay, It's a different hare. I, I tell you what, but every commentator I read, they're like, it's not the rabbit that you think. That's all I got for you. So you have these kind of animals you are not allowed to eat. Now, Kevin, I'm going to just go. If you can, go to Deuteronomy 14, verse 4 and 5. You're going to see the comparison in the Pentateuch about some of these same lists. So Deuteronomy 14, verse 4 and 5, we know that Moses is still writing. These are the animals you may eat. So now he gives us the positive list of the actual animals that you can eat. So it's just cool that even Moses gives even more specific details about what you can eat. All right. Now, before we get any further in all of this, okay, Kevin, we're going to go back, though, uh, into the, well, let's, yeah, let's go to verse 7 if we can. Okay. By the way, you're not allowed to eat a pig. Okay, though it has divided hooves, does not chew the cud, it is unclean for you. And so there's this list in verse 8, you, you do not eat any of their meat or touch their carcasses. Okay, so don't eat it or touch it, they are unclean for you. I'm going to get into the pig a little bit here, but I want to talk about this clean and unclean. Clean, it just it's a simple word, it just means it's acceptable to God. Okay, God has said, I've allowed you to eat this, it's clean. Unacceptable means, or unclean just means it's unacceptable. Multiple times throughout Leviticus, 32 times, you're going to hear the word unclean. Unclean, unclean, unclean. Who's to determine what is clean and is unclean? The priests. Which is why you can't come to the table drinking. You have to have a clear mind, a clear conscience, and allow the Spirit of God. Remember, God said the Lord's anointing is on you. And I need you to decide, did you eat the pig or did you not eat the pig? Sounds like a silly role, but I'm going to talk about why this is important. John MacArthur, he gives multiple illustrations. What's the big deal about the list? Like, why do we have to go through this list of pigs and camels and hares? Like, who really, who really cares? Like, I would just want him to tell me you can eat meat, potatoes, and corn, and I'm good. Like, that's the mentality. But I love what MacArthur says. He says, first of all, okay, John MacArthur, I don't, he's my, he's my buddy. But I don't have a book back here. Just so you know, when I say Warren Wearsby and John MacArthur, they're not actually here. Okay? I don't know them. Okay, now watch this. First of all, Israel was to obey God's standard. So why, why the clean and unclean? First of all, Israel was to obey God's standard regardless of the reason or understanding. 
It's not up for us to understand or discern why he tells us to eat something and why not to. Because, well, there's a duck. Is that is a duck clean or unclean? Clean. Classic peanut gallery. Do you know how to? I mean, that's actually perfect, but you probably shouldn't answer it right now. So, <laughs> so clean or unclean? Rich, do you think a duck? Where's a duck fit into that? That that might be one of the classics that we've had already. Leave it to my dad. All right. So <laughs> now look, here's the deal. When God gives us this list at this point, do you think they really know why? No. And I think that's the beauty of walking by faith. That's the beauty of, remember, we always have this visual over here with the tabernacle. God wants us to dwell in his presence. He wants us to be a holy people. And our job is not to figure it out. Our job is just to do what he's asked us to do. So number one is, is that we are simply just to obey. Now, number two, a lot of people would say this. Well, maybe it's a unique diet, right? But here's what I love about this. It's a unique diet so that Israel will not compromise. And this is the key to the other nations and how they serve their false idols. Most other religions integrate uh, animals in their religious services. How do I eat with them? And dare I say, even have relations with them? There's multiple things, you guys, that are extremely, extremely weird. And the Lord says, I don't want you to even go near that category. I'm going to make sure you understand clean and unclean is so that I am setting you apart so that you don't go back to the old ways. Look what happened to Aaron in Gen- uh, I do I do that every time. In Exodus 32, look what happened. Moses disappears for a second and the people start freaking out. Where are you? And so then they go back to the old ways and they, they carve out a, a, a calf. So I think the mentality is the Lord's like, look, I think I know these people well. I think they're going to forget me. <laughs> I think they're going to go the wrong way. So let's let's remove anything that would get in the way of possibly them going back to their false idols. Pigs, strangely enough, who, who doesn't love hot dogs? I love hot dogs. If I was Jewish, no hot dog, no hot dog for you. So, Do you really think the hot dogs are made from pig? Rich, let's not get into that right now. Let's talk about bacon. They're let's talk about bacon. 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 All right, bacon. All right, so. <laughs> All right, a couple of reasons why Jews and Muslims don't eat pig. Okay, I just thought we'd make it real practical just, just for a second since we're talking about all these animals that are unclean. Okay, number one, Nelson's commentary says this. One, the, it, the pork, okay, is it's inadequately, inadequately cooked, usually. Inadequately cooked, cooked pork could transmit disease to humans. So right away, they're like, if it's not cooked appropriately, they could get sick. So let's try to avoid that. And then we also know, and I mentioned this as well, that pigs are sacrificed many times to deities, Many times pigs are sacrificed. Like if you think of, okay, like Hawaii, okay? Do you guys ever picture the little pig uh, spinning around? You know, a lot of times, many times that comes from paths of worshiping things. So there's just this imagery that the Lord just says, hey, look, you know what? Let's, let's just not put my people in a position. You know, so what we talk about on, on Friday mornings. We have consistently uh, week in and week out a Bible study that we've been hosting here for six, seven years. And one of the things is, is that like, look, being tempted is actually not sin. Okay. But then what Satan's going to do is he's going to come in and he's going to try to deceive you and say, you know what? This pig is, it's okay. 
this pig's not going to harm you. And so then what happens is if the Lord knows that the Israelites see the pig and Satan come in and says, you can eat that pig. Then what you do is you can become disobedient and then you eat the pig. And then what happens is when you become disobedient, as Warren says, Warren Wearsby says, when you're disobedient in taking and partaking uh, of this unclean animal, what you might do is you might partake in actually in the false idols. And so it's this prevention from going to what Wearsby says. And I love this imagery of... of um, a desire becomes and it leads to deception. Deception then actually leads to disobedience and disobedience then leads to death. Eating a pig, strangely enough, could cause you death because you turn the wrong way and you turn away from the Lord. And so the Lord knows that and he's protecting them. He said, I don't even want you to go that direction. Who thought you could get fired up about a pig right now? I'm not even on my soapbox. Now, number three, I'll tell you this. Nelson says this. Look, OK, it might it might carry disease. OK, it could lead to you worshiping a false God. And then number three, I love this one. I think they know pork tastes good. And so when he says don't taste it, what God is saying is, I want you to see if you'll be faithful and obedient to what I've asked you to do. I want you to know, would you actually give up something even though it tastes amazing with ketchup or amazing with scrambled eggs in the morning, whatever it is, Nadia, Nadia loves making eggs and bacon, like, and, and with syrup. And then Jude's like, give me more sausage, more bacon. Like, could you say no to bacon for the rest of your life just to be set apart for the Lord? And I think what we see here with all of these lists of animals is that God is very clearly just trying to make his people separate. He's just trying to make his people distinct. And it starts with land animals in verses 2 through 8. In Leviticus uh, 11, Kevin, if you would, in our audience here too, would you guys go to verse 9? And what you're going to see is aquatic animals, okay? Aquatic animals. And aquatic animals are going to be 9 through 12. And so again... This laundry list, okay, of clean and unclean. He says, this is what you may eat from all that is in the water. I love how he takes a positive approach, don't you? He says, you can eat all of this stuff. And so he starts off that, that sandwich, right, Rich? You know how when you compliment somebody, but you're ready to slam them, you give them a nice compliment, then you hammer them negative, and then you give them a nice positive comment again? Yeah, that would be the reprimand sandwich. That's the reprimand sandwich. This is really what God's doing. He's giving them a nice, friendly sandwich on what you can eat, can't eat. Oh, by the way, you can eat this again. So in verse 9, he says, this is what you may eat from all that's in the water. You may eat everything in the water that has fins and scales. Doesn't matter whether it's in the seas or the streams. And then in verse 10, scripture continues. But these are to be detestable to you. Everything in the seas or streams that does not have fins or scales among all the swarming things and all their living creatures in the water. Don't you love this? Like he's saying there's tons to choose from. It's an endless buffet. But by the way, if they don't have fins or scales, these things are detestable. So don't eat fins or scales. So now if you go to Israel and you're hanging out with the Jewish people, don't offer them an eel. Don't offer them a hot dog. Hey, what do you think? Like, that's probably a good thing not to do. The Lord says, I want to make you distinct. Here's land animals you can eat, clean and unclean, and here's aquatic animals. All right, let's keep going through our list. All right, I know we're not reading verse by verse, but I'm kind of categorizing these a little bit. In verse 13, these are classic, you guys. These are birds. Quack. Now, Dad, you want to go ahead and cue your phone again? This is great. Birds are in verse 13 and 20. All right, now he says, you are to detest these birds. Now, there's no reprimand sandwich here, Rich. He just says, don't eat them. They must not be eaten because they are detestable. Detestable is, is different than unclean, you guys. Detestable to me, it, it makes it feel like, 
I don't know what it just it's like nauseating gross like don't it's just it's sick and so don't eat the eagle so when we go to Minneapolis or Minnesota uh, up to uh, what's our Eagle Lake Park Rapids with uh, the Burkitts every year we go out to to, Minneapolis, uh, to northern Minnesota and we see the eagles flying around I've never had a desire to eat one but scripture says don't anyway. Uh, scripture continues the kite, any kinds, various kinds of falcon, every kind of raven. I love this one. Don't eat the ostrich, the short-eared owl. Now watch, don't worry, the long-eared's coming up. The short-eared owl, the gull, the various kinds of hawk, verse 17. It continues, the little owl, the little guy. <laughs> Woo. The, what, what is a cormorant? Uh, anybody know what the sound makes? You nailed it. I nailed it. Just so you know, I have no idea if that's what the sound is. But anyway, then here you have the long-eared owl. Look, you got to make noises with this thing, right? The white owl, the desert owl. There's a whole lot of owls here. The osprey. Praise the Lord. Don't eat the storks. We need kids. Any kind of heron. The hoopoe. And the bat. The bat's not even a bird. But they threw it in there anyway. So you have a list of all these things that you cannot eat. So there you have birds. you got land animals, aquatic animals, birds. Look, all you need to know is that the Israelites lived off of bread. They should be happy with anything. Quail's not on this list. Though. No, that's right. All right, in verse 20, here we go. We got a list, of another, uh, more, more list. I can't believe, if you can't tell already, this is my first time ever teaching through this list. So in verses 20, uh, I messed up, it's 19. Okay, now in verses 20 through 23, we have the classic insects. All winged insects that walk on all fours are to be detestable to you. So we shouldn't do the bug dares anymore with Sela and Nadia at our house. But when you make money off of it, it's totally worth it. All right. But you may eat these kind of all the winged insects that walk on all fours. Those that have jointed legs above their feet for hopping on the ground. I love it. Can you imagine Moses? Hang on, God, I got to What was that other animal we can't eat? Like he just he's writing down the list like you just process like And if you're the priest, can you imagine having this in the back of your head the whole time? Can you imagine having to discern holy and common and clean and unclean? You can't be drinking. Maybe they should start drinking after this list. My point is is like you cannot you have to understand this list inside and out. Aaron, I need you in the right mindset. Uh Eleazar and Ithamar, I need you in the right mindset. And here, by the way, this list is going to make us separate. The nation of Israel is going to be separate, strangely enough, partly because you're going to obey what I tell you not to eat. That's an incredible vision from the Lord. And it's from food. And in verse 22, here's what you can eat. Praise the Lord. Any kind of locusts. Katie did. And oh, by the way, all their winged insects that have four feet, they're to be detestable to you. So again, clean and unclean. Here's some that you can eat. Here's some that you can't eat. And I'm telling you constantly and constantly, he's saying, I want to make you separate. I want to make you different. And then in verse 24, <laughs> this is classic. By the way, guys, we're going to talk about dead animals now. Obviously, you're, well, there's a lot here and I'm going to get into this. In fact, there's an incredible example in scripture, actually. But the dead animals that we're going to talk about is 24 through 40. Again, you guys know our teaching. We don't normally just list these things out like this, but 
I really think this is important. Uh, we, are just, we are trying to figure out the difference between uh, Leviticus 11 and 12. Which one should I teach on? If, if our one word, you guys remember Minnie's painting over here, our one word for, for Leviticus is atonement, right? It talks about substitution, how the blood serves as a substitution for us, right? And then we talked about imputation, how imputation then takes the guilt that's supposed to be for us and it puts it on what we would talk about the scapegoat or puts it on something else. And then we talk about the atonement, which it talks about death and how this leads to the life and the blood though leads to to death and so it's crazy to me how those three things then give us life and so all of this right all of this points to uh the messiah and so when we're when we're wrestling with should we talk about leviticus 11 and 12 in leviticus 12 it does talk about the atonement it does talk about blood but we felt like in order to understand culture in israel the jewish people and the coming messiah we felt like we needed to focus on leviticus 11 because it's going to set us apart And so these are the things that we're going to keep talking about today. In verse 24, it says, these will make you unclean. Whoever touches their carcasses will be unclean until evening. It doesn't mean that you're cast out to the camp. It doesn't mean that you're you're kicked out into the leprosy uh, cities of refuge. It just means it's for the evening. And then it just says, whoever carries any of these carcasses must wash his clothes and will be unclean until evening. And then you just have this laundry list. Now, the only thing I want to say is in verse 26, uh, of Leviticus, it says, all animals have hooves, but do not have a divided hoof and do not chew the cud are unclean for you. Whoever touches them becomes unclean. There's an incredible example in scripture and his name is Samson. He was a Nazarite. Nazarite means you walk in alignment with what these things are saying. And so if you would, Kevin, can you guys go to Genesis, uh, Judges, Judges 14, verse five, all of us, let's go there. Judges 14, verse five. And I, I just love, the, to me, this is when the stories come to life. And Judges 14, verse 5, it says, Samson went down to Timnah with his father and mother and came to the vineyards of Timnah. It's crazy enough, we've actually been there. It's, a, uh, it's pretty cool. Suddenly, a young lion came roaring at him. Okay, it continues on in verse 6. The Spirit of the Lord, here we go, we see this. The Spirit of the Lord takes over, took control of Samson. He tore the lion apart with his bare hands as he might have torn a young goat. But he did not tell his father and mother what he had done. Now, at this point, is there anything wrong with what he's done? No, not at all. There's nothing wrong with what he's done. Now go to verse seven, if you would watch this unfold. Then he went and spoke to the woman because Samson wanted her. Verse eight, after some time, when he returned to get her, look what he did. He left the road to see the lion's carcass. And there was a swarm of bees with honey in the carcass. Now, it's one thing if Samson stares at it and looks at it. But in verse 9, he went a different, he scooped some honey into his hands and he ate it as he went along. You do not scoop honey unless you're touching the carcass. When he returned to his father and mother, he gave them some to them and then they ate it. But he did not tell them that he had scooped the honey from the lion's carcass. Because he knew right out of this passage in Leviticus, you don't touch dead carcasses. And then he gave his mom and dad some honey. There's a lot there. There's a lot that led to his demise. There's a lot that got him in trouble. This could have been some of the beginning of it. When Nadab and Abihu messed up, you guys, and they brought their own fire pan and they brought their own incense, they brought all of their own stuff, God used them as an example and he took care of them. I wonder, and I'd like to propose if this right here has anything to do with touching dead carcasses of what led to Samson's demise. And you thought, no, that that can't be. 
Scripture is pretty clear. This is not good if this happens. And so all the way, it says, verses 24 through 40, By the way, I don't want you to touch these animals. Horses and, and donkeys are prohibited, lions and tigers, but then when it gets to the carcasses, not so much. All of these things are clean and unclean. That's really what happens. And then I even love if any of this stuff touches the clay pots in verse 33, what do you do with the clay pot? You don't wash it, you just get rid of it. Boom, smash it, gone. Why? Because you can get those anytime. Don't even try to clean this thing up. Let's just get rid of it. So there's little, little things that constantly are happening. Look in verse 35. If a carcass falls and it touches an oven or a stove, you got to smash it. But it's my favorite. It's natural gas. <laughs> like you can't hold on to even your ovens or your stoves. The Lord is so clear. Don't bother using it. Get rid of it. I want you to be separate, clean and unclean. I want you to understand this. Even the cisterns, he gets into the cisterns. He gets in all of these things. And then watch in verse 41, verse 41. Then he begins to talk about the swarming creatures. Okay, so now 41 through 45, you have the swarming creatures. And I'm just going to tell you now, I have no problem lying about this. Your takeaway is that Israel is supposed to be holy. Your takeaway is that Israel is supposed to function as a clean nation, not as an unclean nation. Not as a common nation, but as a holy nation. And like this list is God making a distinction very clearly. You are my chosen people and I've chosen you. Right? Remember it says in Genesis to be a special treasure. You're my holy nation. You are a royal priesthood. I have specifically set you aside. And crazy enough, I'm going to do it part of it through food. Man, when you go to Israel, you know how hard it is to find some really good food if you're picky? I eat pizza almost every day. <laughs> or shawarma. Can I get a shawarma? And a uh, schnitzel. And a schnitzel, chicken schnitzel, and a falafel. So, you know, you make it work. And it's all because they're being set apart. And so what you have here in Leviticus is that swarming creatures are a part of that, just so you get an understanding. There's a lot here. But then it says in, uh, in verse 44, God backs all of this up. And he says, this is awesome. For I am the Lord your God, so you must consecrate yourselves and be holy because I am holy. He calls them to be holy by not eating swarming creatures. He calls them to be holy by not eating certain birds or not partaking in, in, in certain insects. He calls them to be holy by not eating pigs. God is calling them out and he says, because I'm holy, I expect you to be holy. And then that carries out as a theme all the way through Leviticus and dare I even say into Judges and Samson got caught up even in this. I'm telling you guys, we are to walk in this holiness. He says in verse 45, for I am Yahweh who brought you up from the land of Egypt to be your God. Why? So that you must be holy because I am holy. Can you imagine leaving Egypt? Yeah, we're free. And God's calling is so that you don't eat certain animals. God says, I'll make you holy however I want to make you holy. And I think we come to the table, we come to the Lord saying, you know what, I, I need it to look like this. And God says, no, I'm going to make it look like this. Being holy doesn't mean you're happy. You know, Laura, we talked about this when we were managers at Swiss Air. And when, when people have arranged marriages, we, we would interact with seminary people. And people from India had these arranged marriages. And I walked in and he had a sign right up on the board. And he says, my marriage doesn't make me happy. It makes me holy. <laughs> I think that's part of our part of our mentality of this list. But God, I'd rather have pig. No, no, I want you to be holy. And to close all this out, Warren Wearsby, my buddy back here, he says this list shouldn't be a burden. It should be a privilege. When we look at it like that, we function in the Holy Spirit. 
It's because he's called us to live differently. And that's what he wants for the people of Israel. 1 Peter 1, Kevin, let's wrap all of this up. 1 Peter 1, verse 13 and on. 1 Peter 1, verse 13, Therefore, with your minds ready for action, being self-disciplined, look at this, set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ, in verse 14. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance, in verse 15, but as the one who called you, called you as holy, you are also to be holy in all your Conduct And then in 16, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. It's a cool picture of in the Old Testament, he asks us to not eat certain foods, the Israelites to not eat certain food. And God asks certain things of us in the New Testament and we're to be holy as he is holy. There's a lot there. We went through a list, land, aquatic birds, insects, dead animals, swarming creatures, Clean, unclean, but the reality is it's all because he's holy and we are to be holy as well. All right, guys, we'll talk to you tomorrow with more of Leviticus. Thanks.